This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. From the office and manufacturer of Syraclad in Redmond, Washington, and on location, this is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. For our guest today, we're uh, honored to uh, and excited to talk with Christopher Downey. Christopher is uh, an architect, planner, consultant, and founder of Architect for Wine. Chris lost all sight in 28 and is recognized for his exemplary leadership in accessible design and his dedication to creating enriching and helpful environments for people who are blind or visually impaired. Chris is also a board of director for the San Francisco Lighthouse for the Blind. For more information, feel free to visit arcforblind.com. Hello, Chris. Thank you for being uh, on the show today. Really always honored and a pleasure to uh, to have you on. Well, hi, Tom. It's great to be on. Thank you. Chris, what uh, you know? Since our last uh, discussion, I know you've got a number of projects in there. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, they're actually even nationwide. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share with us one of your your most recent projects and either how it came about or if you're at liberty to share even the progress? Yeah. Um, I think the most active project right at this moment is a project uh, for the Washington State School for the Blind. Uh, and it's for their campus in, in Vancouver, Washington. And uh, it's a, uh, a brand new building on the state school's campus. campus. And it's, uh, uh, it's uh, two programs uh, about a transition program for youth ages 18 to 21, sort of transitioning from home or from school towards college or their career. And so it's a residential program. Uh, and uh, then there's uh, a, a second story, which is for the Department of Services for the Blind uh, Service Agency for the, uh, in Washington State that, that uh, uh, provides training services for people experiencing sight loss. Uh, so it's a brand new building. And yeah, I've been with the team uh, that got the job we interviewed for it and, and got it. Oh, gosh, it was last, last summer, early last summer. And uh, we're currently in the design development phase and uh, doing a little cost reconciliation at that time of the project. Yeah. <laughs> that together. Yeah. And, uh, but although it's, it's a great process, I'm doing it with uh, a firm up in, uh, uh, in Portland and Seattle, uh, Milam Architects, and also Mass, uh, Mass Architects, Mass Design out of Boston. Excellent. Now, Chris, there's so many, uh, you know, we've talked bef- before on the projects that you've done and that there's, there's some sensibilities that you pick up that, say, uh, I don't know, you say uh, just a, a, a traditional architect is just not as aware of that you're, you are. Can you explain a bit to, to your audience today um, how you view architecture and how, how it, it actually changes for the better the entire project? Yeah. So, you know, obviously being blind, uh, I no longer see, see buildings or see the space. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had to, to learn new non-visual ways to, to navigate 
and to uh, sort of do my thing. Uh, and and it was interesting that that process of learning how to do that started informing my architecture, both in terms of how I experienced it, but also how I sort of would conceive of it, think about it, and try to craft it. And it, it really becomes much more sort of multi-sensory uh, in that I'm, I'm really designing for all senses, uh, not just the eyes or not just thinking about not being able to see. You know, it's really trying to design for for all sensory modalities, uh, and 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 really sort of through that, sort of realizing how the the human experience isn't about what the eyes see. That's a rather detached, very remote, sort of removed kind of experience. Whereas the the whole body, all the all the sensory, all the different sensory modalities come into play, and by designing for all of that. Uh, really gives a much uh, richer, uh, much much more robust uh, experience or immersive experience for for everyone that uses it. I like you said multi sensory. Can you kind of uh, dive in a little bit yeah. to that? What that means to you and and your experience? Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I've uh, uh, the sensory uh, experience, the common sort of. Uh, sensory experience, environmental sensory experiences, is considered to be 80% visual. And then the other senses make up the other 20% of that. And so obviously since losing sight, that other 20%, all that other stuff becomes a lot more significant. And also lost all sense of smell. So then I really deal so much uh, with with uh, sense of touch and uh acoustics within the art within the space that what wherever i am and what i'm whatever i'm designing uh and uh but uh con- very much aware of the benefit of both smell uh and olfactory uh, uh experiences within space and how that can benefit the experience uh qualitatively but also in recognizing where you are interpreting where you are and all that contributes with like the sound uh, and with the sense of touch and really sort of exp- expanding that sense of, of touch. Uh, it's not just what you feel with your fingertips. It's what you feel uh, through the soles of your shoes, through, uh, through your feet. And I like to talk about like being expanded, thinking about like how you're barefoot on a beach and just the incredible sense of things that you have underneath your feet. And we don't really think about the sense of touch through our feet. But if you're blind, uh, you're, you become much more aware of these things. And, and uh, it, it's, it's really something that you can use to navigate, to understand where you are. But all those things sort of create sort of these different, much richer, much more immersive uh, uh, environmental experience that, that's there for everyone, everyone to, to benefit from and, and enjoy. Acoustics. Uh, share with us a bit the, the acoustics and how... Um attuned you are and how tuned actually we we all are to the acoustics yeah well being blind that the acoustics really become sort of the like sight it's a it's a sense that can give you some impression of what's beyond sort of beyond your touch uh so it's a way I, i really leverage acoustics to explore space to the greatest extent i can so by tapping my cane on the ground or making a sound, you know, I can, I'm listening to how the sound goes out into space, hits surfaces, 
bounces back and then I can hear it. Uh, and so I'm not listening to the, the tap right off the cane tip. It's, it's about how it's interacting in the space. So you can, through that, you can uh, sometimes, not always, uh, but you can often sort of pick up the proportions, the general layout of the space and things like that. So uh, it's a very different understanding of acoustics, of working with acoustics, really trying to understand the space around. But it also obviously has a qualitative experience towards architecture, sort of the quality, you know, how it can really support the, the experience as an architect that you're trying to cur curate. Uh, for this, for that space, for that moment, and within the building or the, the environment you're working with. Yeah, you know what's fascinating is all of this, of course. But soles of the feet, <laughs> I never would have thought the soles, other than the beach and the feel, yeah. the soles of the feet feeling um, whatever it is you feel. Can you can you go into that a bit too? Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I uh, found. <laughs> there are some sh shoes that I stopped wearing because they were, they had too much cushion and I was, <laughs> I was losing sort of the, the, the haptic feedback through the, through the soles of my shoes. Uh, so you choose my shoes wisely now in terms of wanting to have good contact with the ground. Uh, so, uh, but no, it's, it's, uh, it, it was kind of interesting when I first lost, lost my sight. I, I my feet, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, tall guy with big feet, size 13 shoe. <laughs> and, nice. and as I was walking around, uh, I was so hyper aware of everything under my feet, my feet. And it was, I, in my mind, it was, you know, it's the, the dangers of having a creative, uh, uh, mind. I, I was thinking to myself, what are those, those, uh, things in star Wars that would, would walk around those big, they're sort of modeled after the, the, the container cranes in the port of Oakland and things, you know, these, Oh big, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, what, they had these big feet and they would like crush other things <laughs> on the ground and stuff. And that's what my feet felt like for those, those foot <laughs> appendages on those things in star Wars. <laughs> uh, but, but it's, it's really, it, it, what's really was fascinating about it is how, you know, your mind is, is without the sight. It's really grasping for this other information that's always there. But, you know, your eyes like tick the box. It's like, okay, I'm good. I got it. And, and so there was this other way of, of experiencing things that, that uh, you know, it can be really helpful and help you get to recognize where you are and sometimes anticipates what's going on. But it's, it's really a, it's sort of expanding. It's not just, you know, your, what you feel through your, your shoes, you know, it's, feeling wind on your face the sun on your on your neck especially in my case since i have no air i can feel the sun on my neck or a cheek and and use that to sort of orient within space and and that just being really sort of uh aware of it and thinking about multi-sensory through that experience i'm uh initially i was consciously sort of cycling through the different modalities and, and being consciously aware of, of the touch, you know, what's underfoot, what I'm hearing, you know, all, you know, what I might be hearing in terms of people walking around me or what I'm hearing of the space. And, uh, you know, initially it was very intentional of sort of focusing in on those different things. And then over time it becomes much more sort of uh, immediate, and subconscious, just as you would with sight, you're not processing all that 
consciously. It just kind of happens and your brain deals with it. So. Excellent. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Syraclad. We're talking today with Chris Downey, architect and principal for Arc for Blind. For more information, feel free to visit the website at arcforblind.com. Chris, you know what? I really want to get to that. Uh, go back again to that multi-sensory because all of us, as at least as humans, are truly. I, I'm really. I didn't think of that really till you've ever said that word. Is it we're all multi-sensory? It's. It's. Can you tap into those other senses that are not used so much, and not because you know something happens to you, but can you? Do you think you can do that if you're conscious of it? Yeah. Uh, well, are you speaking, let's say, of of those that that aren't uh, aren't blind, it's like just yeah, yeah, not blind yeah, or, right. or, or, or or you you lost your hearing or yeah. your if you limbs, whatever it is. Let's say yeah. your, even your feet. Mm-hmm. Other facets seem to develop, but can yeah. you develop them? No, I definitely. Without... I think it's always there. Um, okay, it is just a matter of focus. But but you know, I. There, there's a there's a, a principle of universal design uh, called the perceptible information, and at, uh, the requiring the or advising the use of percept, perceptible information, and and so and that's where a lot of this multisensory stuff comes in is sort of providing different kinds of perceptible information. And I have friends that are deaf, friends that are deaf blind, uh, you know, people with other disabilities. And I'm constantly trying to think about different ways of experiencing things so that I'm not just relying on one thing, which would be, you know, it's sort of like the, the visual bias. Okay, so I'm out of the visual bias program. You know, let's, okay. let's, let's, let's <laughs> try something bias. else. But then it's, I can't just then bias acoustics because, you know, I'm immediately aware of, well, I've got friends, there are plenty of people that can't hear or can't hear it well so you can't just do the one so uh it's really about not biasing any one and and by and and sort of designing with all of them and it does enrich the experience uh i i've had opportunities in a in a in an early project a couple years ago uh, working on uh, a master plan for a zoo and working with the exhibit designer on it we we developed a multi-sensory a master plan uh, of the entire zoo of moving through wow. it. And so this sort of types of experiences and how his, his interest in it and where I think it applies to architecture was uh, getting past the visual in that, you know, if you're trying to create an immersive experience in exhibitry, then, you know, letting it be just the visual, it's not as compelling you know, it doesn't drag, drag you into it. It leaves it over there. It leaves the exhibitry over there. And if you can work with all the different sensory experiences, it, it can really capture your whole, even if it's sub, uh, self, subconsciously. But mm-hmm. even consciously, you, change, you can use all that to change the moods, change the setting, and really sort of immerse the, the sort of visitor or the user within that, that kind of content. And, you know, it's just sort of natural. It's like, yeah, that's what an exhibit designer is trying to do. As architects, that's what we should be trying to do all the time is really immerse our, the users within the space, the quality, the, the experience of that, 
uh, that we're, we're sort of imagining and trying to curate for that space. I love that word, immerse. Can you t- touch in a bit about that immersive experience? And is this something you've always been aware of, or is it something relatively recently that you've really tapped into that source? Yeah, it's uh, it's been more recent uh, for me, but you know, by recent, I'd say the last, uh, gosh, maybe uh, it's really with this exhibit designer that I've been having these conversations with and, and, and doing projects with for probably, gosh, seven or eight years now, maybe not, maybe six years. Uh, and, and it's a more common conversation in exhibit design, but it's, it's not that different than, let's say, you know, uh, augmented reality or, you know, the you know, things that we're trying to do in technologies uh, uh, and a more immersive experiences with through technologies. So there's a lot of discussion about that and how to uh, sort of bring sort of a, a more just kind of lose yourself in that environment. And and I think that's such a great lesson for architects, uh, which haven't really been focusing in so much on that uh, as a way to really sort of think about dwelling in the space and really being in it, not just glancing at it and having this really passive glance relationship with the, with the space that you're in. Yeah. This question may be, um, I don't think it's controversial. That's not the right word, but it's um, it definitely probably some people would think it's profound, maybe silly too. But <laughs> yeah. um, my belief is that the, our inner, um, space is actually maybe more vast than our perceived or known external space, like say from here, here, earth to Mars or wherever else. What's your thought on that? And if it's even relevant to architecture? Well, you're taking me deep, Tom. (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, Although I I would say it's like going to Mars, you know, I was hearing of the uh, Rover, landing on on mars and and with heard sounds from mars uh i don't know if you've heard oh, that yes i have i've heard that, the, yeah, that was sounds. fascinating the idea of sort of how sound is working there and and the difference of the speed of sound moving in that environment uh, so you know it took me to a, a completely unexpected place uh, my, my me as well, <laughs> but but you actually somewhat uh, led it, Chris. Even though with with your answers, and it's like I'm going to ask Chris this question, and if he gets offended, I guess I'll say sorry. But uh, yeah, but I'm no, I, I do think that there's a lot. There's uh, yeah, we don't always think about uh, sort of our place in space, our pace, place and culture what we do and what we don't do. And when you think about it back in sort of uh, uh, and thinking almost a year, you know, last, last summer and with, uh, you know, the uh, uh, cries for social justice and, you know, that silence is uh, uh, always the phrase. Um, uh, can't remember, but, you know, just saying nothing has a cost, has a price. And, uh, so anyway, you know, we have our, our position so socially, culturally, within space. Uh, there's so much that comes in and reaches everything. And we're not just individuals 
uh, just in a fleeting speck of a moment here on, on Earth doing these things. Uh, in architecture, this, the things that we're designing we really need to reflect that and be a, and, and really connect us more richly, both, I think, today more so than ever into the, into the moment that we have that particular place, uh, knowing its relationship to everything else. You, you can't just design in a vacuum. Yeah, well, we'll we'll go um, back to that vacuum. We'll, we'll I'll bring it down to back to our planet here. But that was a great explanation. Thank you very much. Is you know what is a sustainability to you? What what does it mean to you? I know there's a, a criteria and a requirement for it, but yeah, I'm curious to your well, I, there's I would always choose to expand that that idea of sustainability toward to include to be sustainable for the continuum of life, not just the thinking about the continuum of, of the building uh, or the environmental practice, whatever it is, but it's, it's uh, thinking about humanity as, as a resource and, and as, uh, as something that recognizing that everyone has something to contribute it needs a place to do that and a place to be included. Uh, I've, uh, it's sort of a, been the profound experience of having lost my sight and become part of the, the disability community is sort of the incredible richness of that community that I was never exposed to before. And I think of that as a resource that's often sort of not really tapped into. I know technology companies are more and more today as they try to do things more broadly, more universally accessible. Uh, but uh, providing, imagining environments that are socially sustainable, humanly sustainable, that uh, aren't creating abstract uh, barriers uh, that would prohibit anyone from participating. Uh, and really finding more and more ways to really pull them in, to pull more and more people in and include more people more fully within the environment. So I, I, it's like, it's not sustainable if it's not humanly sustainable. You know, if it's not going to welcome you throughout the trajectory of your human life and those around you. Um, so, so that's, a, to me, the an extrapolation or, or an additional little lens that I like to pull in on sustainability. Love it. You're listening to the architecture and innovation podcast by Syraclad. Our uh, acknowledgement today is, uh, thank you, Chris is for the lighthouse lighthouse for the blind and visually impaired. They're headquartered in San Francisco lighthouse for the blind and visually impaired provides education, training, advocacy, and community for blind individuals in California and around the world. Based in San Francisco since 1902, the Lighthouse is one of the largest and most established comprehensive blindness organizations in North America. For more information, you can go to lighthouse-sf.org. Again, that's lighthouse-sf.org. We're talking today with Chris Downey, architect and uh, principal for arc for blind you can find them at arc4blind.com chris 
I like what you said here. Actually, I like everything you said, truly. <laughs> Is humanity as a resource. Can you share with uh, your audience a little bit more that humanity as a resource? Yeah, uh, I'll try. <laughs> yeah, go for it. It's really <laughs> you know, it's profound. Like, you know, they, um, there, there's such a wealth of, of knowledge, of ingenuity, of uh, experiences, experience levels, of, of intellect. Sometimes it's not obvious that maybe hidden within us, hidden within that stranger uh, down the hall or across from you. Uh, and, and, you know, and throughout our cities or within throughout the campus or the workplace. And uh, I think every institution, every uh, kind of sort of cultural event, you want to make the most of what everybody has to offer and bring and can bring to the table. Uh, and so it's, it's sort of really, uh, um, you know, like, it's to me. It was easy to start recognizing that by being welcomed into the disability community and and seeing that kind of richness uh, that I just didn't look for, didn't recognize uh, previously. That was really quite astounding. And if you really think about it, uh, it's we we tend to look at people with disabilities with all the things that they can't do because of their disability. In my case, because I can't see all those things that you assume has to be done with sight. Uh, if it's someone who can't walk, you know, what you can't do because you can't walk, uh, and you just go down all the lists, you're, you're seeing the deficit. But through that deficit uh, and getting past the deficit, because you can't live in a deficit. You, you live by getting past that deficit. And to do that, it's all about creativity. It's about solving problems. You know, I always think you know, people with disabilities solve more problems on the way to work than most people solve on the job that day. <laughs> wow, that <laughs> is a, profound. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of, of stuff that happens, and it's constant. You know, for me to walk around blind, it's it's constant problem solving. It's it's like it's interpreting. It's looking for clues. It's digging. It's it's like getting information however and wherever you can and plotting your course through it. And, and you, every, it's almost like with each touch of the cane, it's like you build another hypothesis about the next move. And, and then, or you get lost in, or there's something went wrong and you, you got to sort your way through, through it. And how do you, how do you do that? And you, you play that out across everything, whether you're, you're dealing with a new website on the computer, uh, any kind of thing you're doing, but but you know we we think so much about that deficit model of what we see in might see in somebody without seeing okay well if they have in that situation how are they getting around it what kind of ingenuity what kind of of thought process, what kind of really unique, different way of thinking or approaching things uh, is com can come from that? Are they experiencing and what can that contribute uh, to, to society? So, so on a, oddly, uh, where they're, they're not historically been uh, included, fully included, fully embraced, uh, either physically or culturally, 
you know, there's mm-hmm. such a deep richness of a possibility, I think, of untapped uh, reservoir of possibilities uh, and, and strengths. Chris, it's been an honor and pleasure having you here on the show today. Thank you very much. I really would love to have you on again soon. Every time you and I talk, it just leaves me wanting to, uh, to, to know more. Are, are you, would you be open to coming on you know, in the near future? Certainly, Tom. It's okay. always a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Our guest today has been uh, Christopher Downey, architect, planner, consultant, and founder of Architect for the Blind. Chris lost all sight in 2008 and is recognized for his exemplary leadership in accessible design and his dedication to creating enriching and helpful environments for people who are blind or visually impaired. Chris is also a board of director for the San Francisco Lighthouse for the Blind. For more information, feel free to visit arcforblind.com. Again, that's arcforblind.com. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Sarah Clad. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Sierra Club features one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive and affordable and create a healthy living environment. The podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. We look forward to you joining us again. I'm Tom Dioro. Thank you.